You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. It's an unusual one. It's after a victory. How about that? I'm not taking a selfie right now. I'm just going to give it to you straight. I have Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch coming on with me. Yeah, we're going to talk about Dwayne Haskins. A lot to talk about there, as I'm sure you know. But we also get into a few of the young guys, the receivers. We talk a little bit about Josh Norman, Ryan Kerrigan, what's going to happen with him. And then I have Kelvin Harmon for a couple minutes to talk about his one-handed catch, and a few other plays, and some of his growth as a receiver. And I close it out with my five observations, including a story I'm working on that I think you're going to be interested in reading on Tuesday. But first, my conversation with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. All right, now I'm here with America's podcast guest. That's how I build this. Michael Phillips from Richmond Times-Dispatch. Michael, we're talking about a, a, something after a win, which is unusual. The win yes. and, and the controversy. Um, and that's what I say, <laughs> unusual, because it's going to lead to the first question about Dwayne Haskins. This should have been a ru- routine day at the ballpark here. Yeah. Uh, 1916, I didn't think the lines were very good, but you still tip your hat to Haskins, right. made, made it happen down the stretch. Nice gritty win, whatever you want to call it, and, and you move on. But instead, <laughs> instead. <laughs> look, here's the you're a professional football player. Your job is to play until the final whistle, and there's a, there's a million other circumstances, and I understand all the things you're telling me about right. this. But the bottom line is you need to be with your team until the conclusion of the ball game, and then please go be with the fans, celebrate with the fans. We encourage that. That's great. That's fan-friendly. The, the football game had not ended yet. It, it had not. And, you know, listen. And, and, and the clock may have shown zero, but it doesn't matter. There was a play, there was a play that always gets reviewed, an interception. You need to make sure the game's over. And, and, and that's absolutely true. And, I, you know, I think the thing I would always tell fans is, what would you say if this was a quarterback on another team? Yeah. How would you perceive it? Well, you should perceive it that way, too. And you can just say, listen, you don't have to be mad at the guy. Yeah. You just say – don't do it again. Be, you know, I think it's it's, it's certainly going to be a good lesson for him. I think nationally, it's a it's a chuckle. Yes. Um, you know, yeah, you're, I you're agree. not top ten or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, he was they taking won- selfies. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's a big deal in right. the scheme of things. I think it's it's an, I, the way I, and I some people on Twitter are getting a little bit subtle. They say it's an unusual story. I can't help it. It's unusual. I've never seen it before. I've covered this thing for 25 years. Okay, can I get out the knives now? There you go. Dwayne Haskins in his post game was not that was not a good performance first off you've got hey you miss some guys in the first half and there's nothing wrong with the rookie quarterback saying i miss some guys but instead my wrist was hurting oh your wrist is hurting no i'm fine now like when was it basically the implication was like it was acting up for a little while that's when i was bad and now i'm fine that was the same wrist he was taking selfies with by the way (laughs) i didn't see any tape on it 
part two where, you know, he was trying to excuse it. Oh, that happened after the game was over. No, it didn't, okay? You, it you didn't know that by 15 minutes has elapsed between that happening and coming into the post-game press conference. He's almost certainly been briefed on it by a member of the team's PR staff. Bill Callahan has addressed it, said his piece about it. I, I liked what Bill Callahan had to say. Made a little joke about it. Ah, we were looking for him out there. Hey, look, we'll address it with him. It, it's not the end of the world. We'll get it addressed. But for him to come up there and, and do some excuse-making and some, some, you know, that's not the level of accountability you want from your quarterback. And I think it's okay. I think this is where people, because I'm always reminded by people here, it's like he's only 22. Mm-hmm. I think he's every bit 22. And I don't, you know, that what comes with that is anybody who's been 22 or has kids who are 22, you know that a lot is meant by that. They are, you're very young, and I think he still is maturing as a pro. And I've always said that's what he has to do. And I don't think, I think what he has to learn is it's okay to say, yeah, that was a knuckleheaded thing. Absolutely. And, if, and, 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 and you know what? Nobody would excuse that. Nobody. I mean, I mean, you shouldn't say that. Nobody would. You would always say, yeah, oh, we, okay, and you move we, on. We wouldn't rake him over you, the coals for that. No, no. of course, of course it, not. Of it, course not. It's a lighthearted moment after and a I, win. If it leads to a loss, of course, it's a different story. It's, it's just a funny all, thing but, that happens. But, it, only, but it can only happen at the end of a win. You can't yeah. miss victory formation <laughs> in a loss. And it so can, it can he, only happen for the Washington Redskins. Correct. In this but now, if he had missed a play because he's taken a selfie, and they, of course he's not. You know, if you do that, that's, that's different. different. That's this different. is at the end of a win. So let's keep that in perspective with that. I mean, I know all the other stuff, but like for people upset, laugh it off and move on. And, and, and it comes after what should have been his crowning moment in yeah. the game, the throws he, he made in the two-minute drill, which, by the way, he wasn't good early in the game. He sailed a oh. few passes. It, it was windy. We'll go with that. Um, Kirk got to use that excuse once. So Dwayne he even told me, I asked once. about the game, and he yeah. did not use that as an excuse. Yeah, there you go. So, so, so. Even, even better. He, he's got a lot of maturing to do. He's in a bad organization for that to happen in. Um, but but it, it can happen, and, and I think you saw a little glimmer of it there on the final drive. Loved seeing him get pretty emotional there with Morgan Moses, Terry McLaurin on the sideline. A great moment in an otherwise forgettable season and, and gives you hope that maybe something gets built down the stretch. And here. I think, you know, like I said, I, you don't want to lose sight of that because that coming out of this game, the, the, uh, the selfie is going to be a funny story, but the other stuff matters more. Yeah. And, you know, to see him on the sidelines like that, to see the response to a tough day, because it was a tough day, um, I think that is what is going to stand, should stand out. For people and the takeaway for this and i hope the coaching staff doesn't shy away from using him i hope they don't go back to the let's run adrian peterson 40 times a game approach that that's what we need more of we need more of a kid learning and growing throughout the game it's okay if he does it in front of our eyes if he's still floating that past five weeks from now problem problems yeah but give him that pass let him keep throwing that pass. let him throw that out route I don't know why he can't throw the out route. That's the funniest thing in the world to me. He's got great arms. Well, and he's thrown a couple of times in a couple of games earlier this year. He did throw it well. Yeah. Like there were a couple of times earlier, you know, the Buffalo game, he threw it well a few times. I think against the Jets, he had one or two. Let's go down to Carolina, call those plays again, give him a chance yeah, no, to learn, absolutely. grow, succeed. Because that's a, to me, those are, that's, first of all, there's an accuracy to it because he's throwing it inside, but it's also a timing to part two. And I think that's the part you got to still get down. That's what you have to hope it is more so than the accuracy, because the accuracy is a little bit harder to correct. You saw more of his college tape than I did. He seems like a guy who he's using his fastball a lot. He does. And, and it's a great fastball. I'd use it a lot too. But I, I think at Ohio State, he probably had more open guys that he was he throwing did. to where you can fastball it into their chest. I think the NFL requires a little bit, a little bit more touch. You need to develop those other pitches. Well, that, and I think what also you see that the, if you're off a little bit, you're going to see it more here. So if you're mm-hmm. throwing the inside shoulder here, 
it's going to matter more. There, McLaurin or Paris Campbell are still open and they're still going to be able to turn it up because they're they've got two yards on their guy. So they're you know so I think he's going to have to get used to some of that. But it's all part of the learning curve um, with, with him. So you know early in the game though he just he didn't play well. I mean or just yeah. throw well. But I agree yeah. with you. Get him some more of those opportunities. Keep don't shy away from throwing. They him. let him keep throwing it late. That's a huge endorsement. Wendell Smallwood keeps playing. I don't know yeah. what's going on there. But <laughs> uh, I don't. Know. But but yeah, he I mean, is, it was a big encouragement. That's yeah. he's the least productive third down back in the league. I mean that's this all there is to it. And yet, how, but, how could Darius Geis possibly be worse in that role? I, I don't know. And Let, I, let's let's learn some things about the other. I, I yeah, I, and I know that's not going to be ultimately his role, meaning Geis. But yeah. I get your playmakers out there. Yeah. I mean you know, and I so whatever. Let's. I, I want to circle back on McLaurin okay. though. Guys on two and nine teams don't win national awards but he should absolutely be in the discussion for Rookie of the Year, league-wide. Great point. And here's the, you know, the funny thing with him, not the funny thing, but the hard part for him is the number of times he's been open versus the number of times he's actually been thrown at ball to catch. Sure. It's just he should have six 100-yard games this year, at least. And probably should have had a touchdown today. He should have, had, he should have been over 100 today with a touchdown yep. based on not just being a little bit open, being wide open. Let's talk about who he was running those routes against, too. That wasn't a jump cornerback. No, and listen, he was doing this against Byron Jones earlier in there. He's doing this against they're putting They're putting their best guy on him every week, and he's winning routes every week. That's incredible. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing that you also take away from this game, again, is some of the young guys, that would be McLaurin, and then Kelvin Harmon, too. I thought it's a nice job, too. I'm I'm still not fully sold on Sims. Love the kickoff return for a touchdown. Obviously, big plays are nice. I just see too many, like – you talk about, I guess, whether that's the maturity factor or the timing factor. He's just not quite as crisp as the other guys yet. Correct. It can come. But uh, he's also a guy that you find. What I like what they're doing is they're trying to find ways to get him the yeah. ball. And then what I like that they finally did today is on some of those jet sweep actions, they actually got the snap timed right. That, so then it makes a difference. So now you as a defense, you have to be aware of him, and that wasn't always happening. So getting that snap timing down is honestly, yeah, you know, we, we can laugh, but it's kind of a it's an it's a step in the right direction, as funny as that sounds. This is basic, the, but this that is, is the stuff yeah. we're gonna be watching for yes, the last yeah, six weeks. And I think I think that's something that was was better to see. But it but it made a difference because there was one right one Darius Geis run where I think he got like eight yards, but because the defense had to widen because of the action of Sims. So that's where, but he can help in those areas. He can, no question. But I don't know that he'll ever be a, come a full-time slot, but he's a guy that you can throw out there and say, we got to find a way to make a play, get him the ball, whether it's a kick return or eventually a punt return, maybe. But to be that guy in the NFL, you've got to be really good. You remember Simi Cobbs, who everybody right. loved during training camp. He's right. a guy who could do some of that stuff. It just There's so few of those guys in the league. The guys who stick are really good and really on point. This would be a big offseason for Sims. It will be. Now, the last thing I want to ask you about is the Josh Norman situation. I mean, I know Bill Callahan said that it was more about Josh, some health-related. No, no, no. Josh is, quote, going through some things. So going through some things. Well, he's going through a pension. Um, and, we, and then somebody asked follow-up, does that mean when Josh is healthy, he'll be the starter again? I asked that question. Good question, Kicks. <laughs> he was non-committal on no, that. he was non-committal. <laughs> which tells me that this may not be Correct. a fully health-driven I mean, situation. If we're going to call Haskins out for fudging the truth, I would Gallian agree with that. has taken some liberties there. I, well, and I, yeah, I think he's... I think Gallian didn't want to talk about it. Correct. <laughs> and he's going to have to talk about it again because it is a big deal because this is a guy that... Listen, we all know he's going to get, you know, this will be his last year here. Um, but it is still, um, 
do you think it's a the right turn at this point? Well, it you know, getting Jimmy Moreland more snaps, I think, will ultimately be a good thing. Man, that dropped interception is going to haunt him for some. Uh, it's a good thing Dunny got the next one. Yeah, I know. I know <laughs> I was, was, he could have bounced, and it would have been typical, classic, if, if Jimmy Moreland comes through, so I can trot out the People's Corner again, oh, and, the, yeah. and the JMU people can trot out their bleeping nickname for him, <laughs> Jimmy Bleeping Moreland. You know, but but yes, I mean, but with with Norman though, I mean. I would say that again. This clearly is going to be his last year, and it's it's tough to know what to do with a guy at that caliber at the end of his career. Right. Some guys go gracefully. Some guys don't go gracefully. Uh, look at Eli Manning, who by all accounts is, is yeah. taking his role on the bench. Well, you got other quarterbacks who would say, "Just cut me," um, and that that's the Josh Norman situation. Does he want to? You know, is he going to be a good locker room guy? Is he going to be able to take this in stride? Can he accept a reduced role or? Look, in his mind, every time we talk to him, he tells us he thinks he's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Absolutely. And I that's the mentality that caused him to be so successful. Right. He Coming out of Coastal Carolina, he truly believed he was going to be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Turned that into a reality, did very well. Can he flip that switch off and acknowledge he might be the 42nd best cornerback in the NFL right now? I think he'll have a hard time with I that. think he's going to have a really hard time yeah, with so that. Yeah, so that's what I'm wondering to see if, if it gets to a – if we're back to another T.J. Swearinger situation. And <laughs> yeah. then, you know, it's funny because for us covering this team, you get to the point where you think, oh, you're done with all the crazy stuff. And then here comes Monte Nicholson's and Joker situation mask. and the Joker mask. And then, um, you know, I'm the oh, what, what, did what, it, but one, one thing that's not crazy but worth keeping an eye on, Kerrigan left with a concussion. Correct. He hasn't missed a game since 2011. He hasn't missed a game. That's right. That'd be worth keeping yeah, an that eye would on. Definitely, he's never, yeah, he's, yeah so he's never missed a game so yeah. in his career. But that would be the one definitely to watch, and that, that's a good point, and I've forgotten that. So thank you for reminding me. It, it takes two to podcast, I think, is a, <laughs> is a thing they say. Yeah, <laughs> but that's, that's the thing, the last thing, to, because as you look forward, you, you know, they have Carolina this mm-hmm. week, and then you got what, Green, Green Bay. Four, five, Green there's Bay. five more left, yeah. So do you think that they can not so much use this as some momentum, because let's be real here. This is, a, you know, it, it's week to week in this team, but can they spring another win or two this year? Yeah, so I think you're setting up because you got your Carolina Green Bay. I'm, you know, Carolina's lost today, but lost to a good team in the Saints. I think you pencil in a Carolina win on Sunday. Obviously, the Packers win at right. home. They're playing for some things. But then you got that two-game NFC East home stretch. You got the Giants and the Eagles here. And I think you want to win a divisional game at home with these kids. So that you got a two-week ramp up to your next target. Giants are beatable. I, I'm not convinced the Eagles are all that. Um, they'll, they'll be playing for something. I think you want to win a divisional game at home by that time. When I see you next in this FedEx Field press box in three weeks, I'd like to see Haskins be hitting those throws with a little bit more regularity. He's not going to be there. He's not going to be a finished product this year. But if they're a little bit better, if he can give them a chance to win and give the defense a chance to win, I think we'll all we'll all score this month of success. And that's for the funny thing is, is as a, you know, you know, we both hear from fans who say, "I want them to get the number one pick," which would have required one in fifteen. So this probably yep. eliminates that from being a really realistic consideration. But is it better to finish with a couple more wins? To see if Haskins develops? It's better to finish with the wins if Haskins Correct. is the one creating them. And I agree with um, If it's more of today's win where Haskins is a mixed bag but you pull it out with the defense, that's not as ideal. You want the wins to be Haskins-driven and the losses to be learning opportunities. And that's the last word by that, Michael Phillips. That's all she wrote. Times <laughs> America's Thanks. podcast. Yes. There you go. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> After this break... 
I'm going to share a conversation I had with Kelvin Harmon in the locker room. We talked about that one-handed grab and some of his development at receiver. Before I get into my five observations, I wanted to share this two-minute conversation I had with Kelvin Harmon in the locker room. Harmon is an intriguing guy moving forward. I believe he's a guy a new coach would like to use, but it also could depend on what style of ball they play. It could well be that a new coach comes in, might say, hey, I want smaller, quicker guys. Harmon may not have a role in that, but if they want a bigger physical receiver, he's one they can develop. I like that he's not afraid to go into traffic, and I think his physical style is useful when it comes to breaking a tackle in the red zone, for example, on a screen as he did in Buffalo, or not getting disrupted off the line, or just in gaining position. He's a bit of a body catcher and that will lead to an occasional drop, but overall, I like what he adds. I don't know that he's a future starter because the Redskins know that they, they need more talent at receiver. They want, they're trying, they're gonna try and find another game breaker. Who doesn't want that? But I think they're gonna try and find that. But I do think that Harmon can be a help for this team for at least a few years. Anyway, here's my two-minute chat with Kelvin Harmon. First, the one-handed catch. What, what, just walk me through that one and just what do you remember from that play? I mean, it's just something I practiced, so it was just, it was just a reaction, really. Just a reaction, just going out there, Dwayne put up the field. I just reached out for it. I came down with it. When you make a play like that, what's it like? What's it feel like? Oh, it's, it's good. It's a great feeling. And then it gets you routed up, gets you settled in. No, he just made a play like that. And I always tell myself, like, I'm, I'm ready to make another one. There were a couple more that you had a chance at, too, that, you know, does it feel good to be getting those kind of opportunities? Yeah, it feels yeah, feel great getting those targets, man, knowing that, knowing that Dwayne trusts me to throw me the ball. And like uh, Coach O'Connor trusts me to draw plays up for me and give me open spaces, so it's definitely good. When you see other guys, Steven Sims making the, doing the plays here, did Terry's making some plays like that? <coughs> does that kind of get you? You're a young guy; those yeah. are your yeah. peers. What does that do for you? Yeah, it's a great feeling. We always talk about feeding off each other energy, and they always give each other confidence. Seeing you know guys we came in with making plays, so that gives us confidence when we when we get in there to be have an opportunity to make our plays. Where are you better as a receiver? Just even from six, seven weeks ago. I mean, this is a growing experience for all you guys. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like I'm just um just having more opportunities and just seeing everything. Everything's slowing down for me, and everything is coming together. When you say slowing down, like what things are slowing down, and how does it make a difference? Yeah, just being able to see everything on the fly, seeing the defense switch, and. Uh, make an adjustment on the fly. Did you, is there a play today that you remember that when that was kind of a result of that? Yeah, I think that um, deep dag route I caught through okay. the middle. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I just I felt the hole in the zone, and then Dwayne held the ball, and he, I just went over to the next window, and he threw it to me. What about Dwayne? Because that was a, for the past game, and he said his right wrist was bothering him. A tougher <laughs> day than he would want, but came through the last two drives. What does it say about him? Yeah, and this? I mean, it says everything about who he is. He's just a poised, confident guy. And once you start rolling for real, it's, it's going to be a problem out there. But to see him still being highly confident and going out there in the clutch, that's a clutch factor he has. Feel good today? Feel great. Thanks, man. After this break, I'll be back with my five observations, including some stuff on Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins and what Haskins is learning from Smith and why it's important that the injured quarterback is still around.
Okay, now it's time for my observations. Number one, I know Michael Phillips and I just talked about Dwayne Haskins, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time going over Selfie Gate. I'll just say this. He shouldn't have done it. You know that. You learn, you move on. More troubling to me right now are the accuracy issues. Now, he told me in the locker room after the game that he had hurt his right wrist and it did prevent him from gripping the ball the way he wanted to all the time. That, of course, can lead to errant throws. Problem was that the ball, the ball wasn't really fluttering or anything. He was just long on some of these throws. And the other problem is that the coaches have bemoaned some of those accuracy issues over the course of his time here. But I think in some cases, maybe it was just a matter of needing a little bit more air on the ball or not being as wound up to throw as he might have been when he saw Terry McLaurin wide open in the end zone in a well-designed play in the first quarter. It could be as simple as that. Haskins is an emotional guy, as we saw, and perhaps needs to just settle down a little bit. It is only his third start after all. And speaking of the emotion, I think you really saw that on the sidelines after the game, and I think you saw what, what other players knew what it meant to him. I think that's a good sign as well. I think it was nice to wait to see Kevin O'Connell come over and give him a really tight embrace for a little bit, and then a couple other players, Morgan Moses, Clorin coming over to him as well. I think that's all needed. They know what it meant to him, and I think that's a good sign. Number two, it's kind of funny to watch Haskins in some of these press conferences. Not always his finest moments, or at least I shouldn't say that. Maybe it's, it's not always, I don't think he always shows really who he is in those situations. He's so much better in a one-on-one -on -one situation. I talked to him late last week for a story that's going to run on ESPN on Tuesday on what he's learned and how much Alex Smith has helped him. He was really good talking about what he's learning from Smith and also how to shut out the noise. He had, uh, Haskins admitted that he had to do a better job with that, and that's something that he's progressing with. He also talked about Smith's influence, and it's really not necessarily in the way you think. It's not about the X's and O's, but rather about him teaching him little things, such as when he should lift weights during the week. Do it on a Tuesday rather than, rather than on a Wednesday. Why? Because it gives him more time to study the game plan after he then gets it on Wednesday. He can go over more things. He can ask more questions and maybe get more reps in practice because he's got more experience with the game plan already. Little things like that. Haskins said that it also able, enables him to get more reps, um, etc. It's subtle but important, and you can't underestimate Smith's influence here. It's why it's important for him to stick around. Haskins relates much more to Smith because he was a high draft pick that was a somewhat controversial pick. Remember, many expected Aaron Rodgers to be the guy to go number one to San Francisco when Smith came out. And Smith also struggled early in his career. He turned it around. He went through everything. He went through benchings and injuries and, and fan you know, displeasure, etc. Smith is a far different QB than he was as a rookie, but he also knows what to say and when. So do me a favor, look for that story on Tuesday. I think both people, both Smith and Haskins, gave some really good insight into their situation. Number three, with the Redskins playing Carolina this week and with Josh Norman being benched, it's worth looking back at that signing. I think it's easy to reach a certain conclusion. It's another big money acquisition that did not pan out for Washington the way it hoped. It's not that Norman was always bad. He wasn't. That's definitely not the case. There were times he was blamed for catches that weren't his fault simply because maybe the camera didn't always show that there was no safety help that was supposed to be coming. Whatever. 
But for $15 million a year, you absolutely expected more. I know they tried to trade him in the past, whether in the spring or before the deadline. Nobody wanted any part of that salary. Any team would have just cut him after the year anyway, so it wouldn't have been a really worthwhile signing. They wouldn't have gotten the team that traded for him would not have gotten a compensatory pick after that. The Redskins aren't going to get one for him after they cut him in the offseason. Um, and I do think that there were probably there, there are some people here who probably would have suggested doing that a year ago, getting rid of him and just moving on from the salary, creating some cap room last offseason and just moving on. I still think Norman can be a useful corner somewhere. It wasn't here. He needs to be used in a specific way, a lot more zone. I think he needs to be surrounded by safety who understands him well and who, can, who knows when Norman's going to play it a certain way, what passes they, what, what routes that he might like to defend one-on-one or where he needs help, and the safety that can tell him. And this, is, this would happen in the past when Will Blackman was here. There were times he'd tell Norman, hey, you're making $15 million a year. you got to cover this guy one-on-one. Other times he would say, Josh, I got you, I got you, I got you. Something like that. And Norman actually played well when Blackman was back at safety. So there are ways that he can still do well. That doesn't mean that he's bad, but he wasn't producing here. He's just another example of a signing that didn't work out. The Redskins went old school aggressive when they got him. They needed a corner at the time. Chris Culliver was the number one. He was hurt. Bashad Breeland was the other guy. So they needed someone opposite Breeland. But remember that Breeland wasn't happy with the signing either because he felt like it was a disrespect to him. The Redskins rated him as a blue chipper, which is why they signed him to a lucrative deal. They did not get blue chip play. I think they need to reevaluate who is a blue chipper. But again, he was coming off a season where he was almost, you know, the NFL defensive MVP. Number four, despite the win, the big question moving forward always will be what changes will or should be made. If they somehow won, say, two more games down the stretch, would a 4-12 record convince owner Dan Snyder that maybe it really was just about the head coach and a few injuries. That if you get a new guy in here that can take a more disciplined approach, that it would help. They absolutely can't take that mindset, though. It's the same one that landed them into trouble last year. They believe they were much closer than they were a year ago simply because they were 6-3 and three at one point. Well, once Smith got hurt, the outlook changed, and it should have changed for them. Not everyone there saw it, and that's the problem here. They're too often a step behind reality, the reality of the situation. Snyder needs to grasp that the status quo will only result in more of the same in the stands in terms of not many people showing up. I tweeted something out before the game about good sections being available, and it's kind of a snarky comment, but my God, it was the truth. There were sections that were just almost completely empty from where I sat. That is unacceptable in Washington, and it should be unacceptable for anybody attached to this organization. Now, if Haskins would would light it up over the last five games, maybe the fan base gets more excited and you start to sell that hope again based on what you do with, if you get, let's say this is the best case scenario for the Redskins. Haskins plays well down the stretch. You hire a new head coach that gets the fan base excited. You make a signing in free agency. You get another, a big time young talent. Maybe then people start to feel better again about the direction of this organization. But that requires a lot. And I don't think Haskins is at the point in his career where he's going to go on that kind of a run in the last five games. That's not a knock on him. It's just not where he's at. And I don't think this is where this offense is at. I do think some in the organization understands that there needs to be some level of change, whether it's altering Bruce Allen's role or bringing someone else in altogether. 
or just bringing another guy in on the pro side, whatever. It, you know, or maybe it's just hiring a powerful head coach. Would that be enough? Could, he co- could that coach and Allen coexist if they both are looking for some level of power? I don't know. If the final five games are ugly, maybe others there will understand that change is a must. Finally, number five. And it's funny because this being Thanksgiving week, I always think back to that Redskins game against the Cowboys on Turkey Day in 2012. And this is probably going to depress you a little bit because that was a day in which, as you well remember, Robert Griffin III was unreal, especially in the first half. He was, on, he was as on target as if he'd been all year and was sticking throws into tight spots. If you remember that, go take, if you go watch the highlights of that pass to Santana Moss in the corner of the end zone, beautiful. I half expected Griffin to give a Michael Jordan shrug after some of his throws. But I remember thinking how Dallas was going to have to deal with him for a long time and how painful that must be for their fan base. But that game also shows how quickly things can change, probably one way or another. Griffin was the catalyst that season. The Redskins need to find another guy who can provide that sort of energy at that position. It's why Haskins' development is critical, because if he is really if he doesn't progress at all, then you have to think about any scenario moving forward, right? Regardless, he can his development will be key. He does not have that same charisma as Griffin, but it's really not about that. It's got to come from the play. You don't have to have the charisma if you're just throwing the ball around and lighting teams up. I will say the one thing for Haskins, he does seek out more guidance from people in the building than Griffin ever did, whether that's talking to Alex Smith or to Doug Williams. Will it matter? I don't know. There's a long way to go, and I do think that that is absolutely a part of his development. And I've told you guys that there are things that, need, that about approach and learning to be a pro quarterback. That's all part of it, and if he's doing that, that's a good step. A long way to go. He's a young 22. Um, he's got to get better. He's got to get a lot better in some areas. But it also shows, but that, but that game, the Turkey Day game, also shows how, that, how this fan base was energized, as dead as it seems now. It's not so long ago that is it that impossible to get it back. Maybe it is. You guys know that answer better than me because you're the guys or the fans. Then you look at the stance today and you listen to the crowd, and it was dead for most of the game until the end. We got as loud as it could, given how many people were here. People still care. They just need this franchise to give them a reason to care more. Well, that's all I got for now. As always, I appreciate Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch coming on. I appreciate Kelvin Harmon spending a couple minutes with me after the game. And I always, I always, always appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week.